Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Well, uh, we're continuing in the series, When God Speaks, and we've been there for a few weeks. And uh, one of the most important things we could ever learn to do is to hear God, to hear God's voice. And we've discovered in this that we know that God still speaks today. And we know that he gives us the ability to hear him. This is extremely important. And we've been looking at different ways that God speaks. Remember, if you can recall them quickly, we saw that God speaks in a general way through nature, through his creation. uh, We know that uh, we see his handiwork through creation, that there's no excuse for anyone that God has, has shown himself, proclaimed himself in nature. We saw that he speaks through his word, the scripture, and that's... That's what we use to measure every other way that, uh, that God speaks or every other thing that comes into our life as we measure it by the Word. Does it line up with the Word of God? We looked at how God speaks through Jesus, the red letters, and how Jesus has spoken to us through His Son, through the Son, Jesus. And uh, then, of course, we're going to look at uh, how He speaks to us through others, through a wise counsel, through the gifts of the Spirit. Then we're going to look at Dreams, visions, angels, how he speaks to us through circumstances. And uh, that'll be over the next two or three weeks. Today our focus is on how God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. How God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit and how we can hear him. Now, this is key because the Holy Spirit is, is the primary agent, if you will, or vehicle that God uses to speak into our lives to speak in, in, into us. He speaks to us by his spirit. So I, I thought it best for us to go back and examine just some basic things, some truths, some very important truths about who the Holy Spirit is. Now, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit is one of the most uh, overlooked, neglected, and sometimes misunderstood uh, truths of the scripture, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Um, Robert Morris describes this in his book, The God I Never Knew. And he tells how he grew up in church and grew up around Scripture and much was said about God the Father and God the Son, but there was a a clear omission about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until some time later that he was really introduced to the person, to the power of the Holy Spirit. I... uh, it's a tragedy that we've eliminated the Holy Spirit from the life and activity of believers so often today. Uh, in some churches, I heard it said that if the Holy Spirit were to disappear from the church, 90% of the work would go on as if it never happened. Because we can exclude Him in all of our works, all of our plans, all of our programs. But this is all about His presence, this is all about the work of the Holy Spirit. There are different names for the Holy Spirit. If you're kind of old school or brought up in different circles, the term was used, uh, Holy Ghost. And still this is a a term that's preferred by many, Holy Ghost. 
it kind of brings up in the mind of people now the ghost is something real spooky and weird, and the Holy Spirit is not that. But Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, there are other names for the Holy Spirit in the Scripture. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of holiness, and others. He's referred to as the Comforter. In the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is ruach. And the word ruach literally means breath or wind. It's found some 400 times in the Old Testament. And it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says the spirit, the ruach, the ruach of God, the ruach of God is hovering over the waters. The spirit of God hovered over the waters and was involved in creation. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, the same verse is used as God sent the wind over the earth for the waters to recede from the, the ark, the flood, uh, during the days of, of Noah. So the word, that is the Hebrew word, the, it means spirit, breath, wind. The, uh, the correlating word to that uh, in Greek is the word pneuma, which means breath or wind. Uh, when Jesus said that we would, one would be sent that was called the comforter or the helper, the word is parakletos. And oftentimes we use the term paraclete, if you will. It's a parakletos, which is referring to the Holy Spirit, which means para means alongside, and the kaleo means to call, or it means to call alongside, to come alongside to help. One of the pictures is in like a marathon in the uh, Olympic type, contest, if you will, the marathon was run, and there would be one that would run alongside of those that had entered the race, and would come alongside to encourage and spur them on, come on, you can do it, run. And another picture of the Holy Spirit is just one who comes alongside to be that undergirding, that strength, and that comfort for you. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of who the Holy Spirit is. Different symbols of the Holy Spirit's used in the Scripture. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's referred to as a dove, as living water, rivers of water, as rain, rushing mighty wind, as fire, oil, and wine. These are different symbols that you can find throughout the Scripture that's referring to the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is deity, a member of the triune God, if you will. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. If there's anyone that would like to stand up and explain that clearly to us, you're welcome to do that right now. But it is quite challenging. But it is the truth of Scripture, and it's proved, you, can, you can prove it and test it by the Scripture and see that it is accurate, that this is the nature of the God we serve, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. That means He's deity. He's God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, referring to Jesus, who is the living Word, the Logos, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. He's deity because we saw just a moment ago that the Holy Spirit was at work hovering over the waters, that the Holy Spirit was an agent at work in the actual creation of the heavens and the earth. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 tells us the Holy Spirit is eternal. He's eternal. So he was involved in creation. He's part of the Trinity. He's involved in creation of the world. He's eternal. And he's called Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3.17 it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. So he is referred to as Lord. The Holy Spirit's involved in giving us the Scripture. It says that all Scripture is inspired or God breathed. 
And it's the very wind, if you will, or the work of the Holy Spirit that brought to us, that brought us the Scripture. And then we find that the Father and Son are involved in sending the Spirit to mankind. Is how the Trinity seems to be described as working. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper, a comforter or counselor. And in John chapter 16, verse 7, John chapter 16, verse 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now, this is Jesus. The disciples don't want him to go away. They've been with him some three years or so. They've heard this thing about him dying, being gone, all this and they don't want that to happen. And he says, look, it's actually, you're better off if I go. Now, how, how could they grasp that? I don't think they could at the moment. I think later they saw that on the day of Pentecost. But he said, it's better that I go because if I go, I'll send one. If I do not go away, the heifer will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And then we need to also note the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's a person of the Trinity. He is often referred to in the masculine pronoun. I'm sorry if that offends people in today's society, but that's how it's used to reference him, that he is a person, not a thing, not an it, and not just a force. Although he can be a force, he's not just some type of mystic force. In the scripture, we see this indicated because the Holy Spirit has feelings, has emotions. It talks about grieving the Holy Spirit of quenching the Spirit, of resisting the Spirit. Imagine that you and I as human beings can quench the very Holy Spirit of God or that we can grieve the Spirit. Imagine. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, when you see the Holy Spirit working and you could see the ministry of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament, He didn't just come into being on the day of Pentecost or during the ministry of Jesus. We can see him involved in many of the, the, the movements in people's lives that happened. But, but when he moved, upon, uh, he moved upon people, on prophets and different ones you find in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit just fell on them, if you will. It was, it was uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be moved by his Spirit. But it was just like this happened and then it no longer happened. It was a visit, if you will. But that's different in the New Testament, and that's different for you and me, praise God. It's different because Jesus said there's a day, the Holy Spirit's with you, but there's a day that the Holy Spirit's coming to dwell in you. The Holy Spirit was with them in the Old Testament. Now today, for the born-again believer, the Holy Spirit can be in us, will be in us. In fact, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Scripture teaches. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, if we lived with that consciousness and that awareness, that would probably, that would probably affect us in some astounding ways if we really lived with that awareness. John chapter 14, verse 17, the New Living Translation says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him. That's unbelievers. That's the pagan world. That's those who reject Christ. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him. They cannot, they cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, Corinthians tells us. The world doesn't recognize him, but he's speaking to believers, followers of Christ. But you know him, and here specifically speaking to disciples in this reference, because he lives with you now and later will be in you. <coughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 9. I know I don't have all these up on the screen today. There's so many of them. But if you can jot them down if you have time uh, or go back and, and listen to the message again 
Again, a lot of scripture references here, but I, I think that it's important. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible says, If any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, remember that's another name for the Holy Spirit. If any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Or in other words, he's not a child of God. If you are a child of God, if you have been born again, then the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has come to reside in you. Now, there are different ministries of the Holy Spirit, different things that the Holy Spirit does. Uh, first of all, the Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. Um, in, in my background, I was brought up in a denominational church, uh, a little country church, and um, I heard that was, that was how I was brought up. We attended church pretty much every time the door was open. Uh, it was a part of life, part of culture, part of Southern culture. Um, and it, it's a good thing. I, I, I'm glad for that. It was, I think there were a lot of benefits that went along with it. But I was kind of, um, um, by, kind of by osmosis just kind of drawn into church membership without realizing that there was something we call a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I was very involved in church as a kid, as a young person growing up, but I didn't know Christ personally. But that's a very dangerous place to be because I knew all the things I was supposed to say and I knew all the things I was supposed to do. And compared to other people, I was a pretty good guy. And one of the first things we have to do to make things right with God or to know Christ is to realize that we've all sinned. I've sinned, come short of the glory of God, and I need a Savior. There's no hope apart from Him. I don't care how much I go to church, don't matter how many times I've been baptized, it does not matter. I must have a personal relationship with the Lord. Fortunately, I heard that um, in my later teenage years. I heard that, and it made a huge difference. A little kid that had been coming to church two or three times a week now was sitting in church, and when you heard a preacher, heard someone say something, it, it was alive. It wasn't just someone reading. It was like it was personal. It changed. Uh, it just changed. And... Then later I was introduced to this, although I was brought up in a denominational church. Um, I was introduced through the Lord sending someone into my life, a, another pastor, another leader, who shared with me about the fact that you can have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, but still there is that deeper walk with the Lord where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit. I didn't really respond well to that to begin with because I said, look, I, I know Jesus is my personal Savior. He's real to me. Were you saying I need something else? No, you don't need anything else to be saved. You don't need anything else to how the Holy Spirit live in you. But there is a much a deeper dimension of life that so many people miss today because they never come to that place of saying, I need the baptism or the infilling. I need an empowering of the Holy Spirit. There came a time in my life where I recognized that that was missing in my life. And I had an encounter with God that changed me even more. And though he's never left me, there have been times that that's kind of uh, waned or, or has kind of seemed to drift away, but that was not his doing, that was my doing. I became preoccupied with other things. I, I allowed things to, to, uh, to, in a way, push the, the ministry. The Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself on you. And so that changed my life, and the reality of that experience has never left me. 
Now, there's been times after that I said, Lord, I want to walk in that depth and that power and that anointing again. And that's why after you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, there are ongoing infillings or fillings, if you will, where we experience the anointings and the presence and the power of the Lord. I'm convinced that in, in these last uh, days and when a lot of churches, thank God, even denominational churches, have come alive in worship. They're having a lot more people involved in worship. It's not just singing a song of first, second, and last verse of a hymn, and thank God for wonderful hymns, but it's not just a song service, and it's not just going through the motions. Now a lot of churches are coming alive, and they say it's exciting, it's enthusiastic. People are standing up here and worshiping, and hands are lifted up in praise and worship. But in oftentimes in these places, I, can, I, I recognize that there's still... That, that, there, that there still needs to be a breakthrough. It's like there's a ceiling there. And we go so far, but then we never experience that freedom. We never experience that anointing in that life. I think that that sometimes limits us here. And one of the keys is that many times we don't come here truly prepared to worship him as Lord in our lives. We've allowed some things to get in the way. And I think the reason also for many other churches and can be a problem maybe for people who come here, you've never been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you know Him as Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but that, that, that power and that anointing is not there. You can have wonderful praise and worship and people singing excited about it, but there's an, an ingredient missing. And if I was putting my finger on it, I would say that's exactly it because you've got many churches who've learned how to sing praise and worship songs and do it well and do it loud and go through the motions, but there's still the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's missing. And that's not to judge anybody. It's just saying there's more. There's more. I said there's more. Yeah. And look, no matter what you've experienced in God, there's always more. There's always more. Uh, you don't never exhaust what God wants to do in your life. But the Holy Spirit, in those early days where there was, uh, this was back many years ago when part of this was referred to as the charismatic movement. And some people that left a bad taste in their mouth. But look, I lived during it and it was a wonderful thing. It's when a lot of people came alive to the work of the Holy Spirit. It was a powerful time where there was revivals and wonderful things. And yes, some people maybe went off the deep end some things, but thank God there was revival in the middle of that and it affected me and affected thousands of other people. But oftentimes because so many people had not heard about the power of the Holy Spirit and not experienced this, once they did, that's where their focus went. Everything was about what the Spirit of God's doing. Everything was about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everything was focused on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he's God, he should be honored and glorified. But it's interesting that when you read the scripture in John chapter 14, verse 17, uh, and I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus said, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. One of the revealing signs of the moving and the power and work of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus will be exalted. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to exalt himself. It's to testify of who Jesus is. It's to exalt him. Very quickly, I can name some of the ministries or works of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he convicts of sin or unrighteousness. Anyone here ever been 
experience what we call conviction. Now, I'm not talking about conviction as being a, a determination or a, an act of, of will. I'm talking about conviction where you just know that there's something missing, know there's a need here. Man, I'm, you know, if you, that's where, you know, the, the enemy wants to condemn people. The Holy Spirit convicts people. The enemy, Satan, when you hear, oftentimes when people hear things and they know that something's missing or there needs to be a change in their life, the, the enemy, the Satan gets at work in that situation and says, well, you know good thing. You'll never amount to anything. Look what you've done. You should be ashamed of yourself. You've missed it over and over again and just basically do that to you. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. But when you hear about things and you feel, my, that needs to change in my life. I see that there's a need here. I see I messed up. When it's the Holy Spirit's work, it's like he's saying, come on, I can help with that. Come on. You can find forgiveness for that. The Holy Spirit draws you. In fact, the scripture teaches that you can't come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws you. Every one of you that came to Christ, whether you realize it or not, it was the Holy Spirit that was drawing you to him. So he convicts of sin, John chapter 16. We read most, it's mostly in John 14, 15, 16, a lot of these instances, excuse me, the Holy Spirit's at work in the new birth. You can't be born again without the work of the Holy Spirit because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that regenerates. It does a supernatural work. A new birth is a miracle. Did you know that? When you were born again, when you came to Christ, you experienced a miracle. And you were made new on the inside, a new creation. You know how that happened? By the work of the Holy Spirit. We call it the work of regeneration. So the Holy Spirit's at work in new birth. It says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Romans 8.16 says the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will... The Holy Spirit will, I'll use the term sanctify you. That's a word we don't use very often. But he does a work of separating us or calling us to more of a life of holiness and, and, and living the righteous life, living the, doing the right thing. The Holy Spirit will counsel us and guide us. The Holy Spirit intercedes, intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit teaches and guides us. <clears throat> he's, our, he's our teacher. He reveals things to us, even about the future. He'll guide us into all truth, John 16, 13. And another thing the Holy Spirit does is he empowers us and equips us for ministry through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My, I would say the Holy Spirit's very important, wouldn't you? Amen. So when we look at some examples of the ministry of the Holy Spirit speaking, um, after the church was birthed, if you will, in the book of Acts, and you go through the work of the apostles and the New Testament church, let me just run through two or three of these together, and then I'm going to close out with keys to, to hearing learning how to hear the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I'm going to give you a few examples, and, and, and let me, I don't have them up on the screen, but I want to read them to you, and if you want to jot down the reference, that's fine. In Acts chapter 10, and uh, you'll read about it in verse 19 20, but this is, the, this is the time that the Spirit speaks to Simon Peter, if you will, and says, there's three men looking for you. Now, Peter's had this vision, 
an unusual vision. I won't go into that. But then the Spirit speaking, I said, there's three men coming, to, they're looking for you. Now, don't you like for God to speak that specifically? And then guess what? There's three men there waiting for him. Why? Because a man named Cornelius was over here saying, God, I need you. I need help. I want the truth. I want the truth. And while he was doing that, God answered his prayer through Simon Peter, through a vision, and three men had shown up to take him where God has called him. Man, you know, that would be exciting to live that way so that the Holy Spirit is so specific, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Well, it's a possibility. We could learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and hear Him, I think, that specifically in things in our life. Well, then in Acts chapter, uh, I'll go back a little bit, Acts chapter 8, verse 29, uh, and you, you heard about it when we had our, our, our guests speak about the, uh, the ministry there uh, in, in Brazil. When, and um, speaking of Philip, who went to the Ethiopian eunuch, the, the Spirit of God spoke to Philip and said, go near and join the chariot or come near to the chariot there where the Ethiopian eunuch was. That was the Spirit of God that spoke to him to do that. Go there. Go there and do this. That was a spirit. So real to him, so personal, he knew exactly what to do. Or, and that was to obey him. Then once he got there, he knew exactly what to do. And then the, I think the Holy Spirit supernaturally took him away from that place. It was like he finished uh, in baptizing the man, and then the man looked around. You know, it's kind of like the Lone Ranger disappears. You know, who was that man? It just, he, he just... Uh, uh, he turns around and, and he's gone. And somebody thinks maybe, well, he came up and the man just kind of walked off slowly. I don't think so. I think that there was, uh, you know, I, I understand some people think this is strange, but I think there was a supernatural transference of you where the Holy Spirit swept him away. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the scripture says, while they were worshiping, the believers had gathered together, some of the leadership had gathered together, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to do the work for which I've called them. This was a missionary calling. And they'd all gathered to fast and pray, which by the way is one of the best things to do if you want to learn how to really connect and hear the Holy Spirit. And while they were doing that, it said the Holy Spirit said... Now, I could just read that and go on, but my mind doesn't work that way. I want to know how that happened and what that looked like. Did the Holy Spirit speak through someone who was there? Did the Holy Spirit speak in some type of miraculous, audible way? Was it spoken through someone prophetically? They said, the Spirit of God has said, you're to be separated into ministry. I don't know. I don't know. But it was so clear that it was Holy Spirit that the Word of God says they were there fasting and praying and the Holy Spirit said, do this. They knew it was the Holy Spirit. Well, there's a couple of others. Acts chapter 16, verse, beginning with verses 6. Uh, Paul and Silas now, this is kind of interesting because Paul and Silas, were, they were missionaries. They were ready to go in Jesus' name. They were going to share the gospel. And they were going without fear and determined and, and, 
And my, what, what more could you ask for? And the scripture says that when they were going, they were going into part of Asia, and it says that they were forbidden or prevented from preaching the word in Asia. They went north and tried to go into Bithynia, and it says the Spirit did not permit them. And they went around again, tried to go, and nope. It's just like they said, we're going to go here. And look, it was a good thing. There's people there that need Christ. I'm sure. But that was their plan. If you're, going to Holy, if you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, don't ever get so tied to your own plan and determinations that you shut out the voice of God. And they were there and said, we want to go here. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. We'll go here. Well, we want to go here. No, no. And so then it's interesting when you read in verse 9 right after that, it says that Paul had a vision of a man standing and pleading, please come over to Macedonia and help us. It's like there's a man, someone that's saying, God, I want to hear you. God, I need you. Please send someone. This happened to be in Macedonia. Macedonia, come and send someone here. And like here's two men that want to be led by the Holy Spirit and they said, we're going to go in this direction. But someone's praying over there. Oh, we're going to go in this direction. No, someone's praying over there. It was the Holy Spirit working through this situation to answer a man's prayer. And when they turned to go to Macedonia, they went there and had great success. The word was preached. People's lives were changed. And there's an interesting, one more interesting one. There's other examples we give, but in Acts chapter 21, verse 11, there was a prophet by the name of Agabus. And he had, of course, he had the gift of prophecy. And I won't go through all the details of this, but he says that the, the, it says that the Holy Spirit spoke through him. And he, he like took a belt, Paul's belt or sash, if you will, and tied. And he says that one who, the, if whoever this belt is, the man who this belt is, is going to be taken, when he goes to Jerusalem, will be bound by the Jews and handed over to the Gentiles. And that's, that's really what happened. It says the Holy Spirit spoke through him. Amazing instances in the New Testament where clearly it says the Holy Spirit spoke to people through other people, through inner promptings. I don't, I don't know the, the, exactly in every situation what that looked like or, or how that happened, but the Holy Spirit is a person, He's real, and He spoke, and people heard Him. And nothing has changed. We still have the ability and the responsibility to hear from Almighty God through the Holy Spirit, which is the primary agent of communication to us today. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Father God is in the heavens, if you will. The Holy Spirit's here in you and at work. And so we want to learn. It's extremely important that we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, how, how can I make that easier? How, how can I make that easier? And how can I be more effective hearing the Holy Spirit? And and most of the time, the Holy Spirit, we say, speaks into our spirit. Now, it's not just we get this emotional idea. And this is a, 
I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but it, it, this is something that happens on the inside of you. We call it an inner nudge or prompting. Something goes off inside of you or that bears witness with your life that, that says this is, this is the way to go. This is, there's a certain amount of peace that comes with it. And you just know that you know that you know that that's the Spirit of God. Now, these are so basic. I hope we don't stumble over them. But some keys to help us to hear Holy Spirit is, first of all, be sure that you're saved. Be saved. In other words, belong, believe. Be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in you when you become a believer. If you're going to be able to, to hear and follow the Holy Spirit, you must know Jesus. You must have that personal relationship. That's, that's the only way. Secondly, be open to hearing the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how some people are not. Be open. In other words, expect it. Expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you. It's that anticipation, that openness. Lord, I'm here to hear you. Speak, speak to me on the inside. Move me. I want to hear you. It's important that we determine to hear what the Spirit says. And, and that determination, we need to, to have that determination. When you book, read in the book of Revelation, you'll find that John was on the Isle of Patmos. And it says that while he was in the Spirit, the Lord spoke to him. What does it mean to be in the Spirit? Now, the Spirit's in you, but what does it mean to be in the Spirit? I think that to be in the Spirit means it's that time you set aside the communion, the fellowship, and set your heart and, 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 and mind on Him, to commune with Him, that you, 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 you remove everything else and you just spend that time with Him. You dwell on Him. Maybe that happens during times of worship. Maybe it happens during times of prayer and fasting. But you get yourself into a place where you are in the spirit, if you will, or you are in that relationship where you can hear him more readily. The third thing is important to be prepared to hear him. And preparation comes through spending time meditating in the word. You know, I'm, these are so basic that sometimes people say, well, that's, you know, so boring and basic, I, you know, that I want to hear something new. This is, this, this is important. Be prepared to hear the Lord. And you, you, when you go to the scripture and you open up the word and you begin to read, expect the Holy Spirit to speak through that word to you. Remember, we talked about the Logos word, which is the written word, the entirety of the scripture. And then we talked about the Rhema word, where you're reading through the scripture and something stands out of the Holy Spirit and nudges you or speaks to you. And it's kind of like he says, this is for you right now. This is what I want you to do about this. That's what happens when we prepare ourselves by meditating on the word. And by the way, what the Holy Spirit speaks to you, remember, will always be true to the word of God. And fourthly, Maybe one of the most difficult is if we want to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, we've got to learn to be quiet. That's hard for some people to be quiet. It's like everywhere you go, somebody's got to have 
a noise down south, we call it a racket. There's got to always be a racket, something going on. Got to have the television on. And got to have the radio on. Got to have something going on. Some people actually, they just, just, they get very nervous when things are quiet. They've got to constantly do that, you know. It's like some of you can't sleep unless you turn the fan on. I, I'm not condemning you for that, nor should you fall under conviction of that. If that helps you do that, that's fine. <laughs> but it's like our whole life has got accustomed to some other noise or sound. And oftentimes those other sounds are in direct competition to the Word of God or to God speaking to us. And so be still and know that I am the Lord, the Scripture says. Be alert and listen. Because how are we going to hear a still, small voice, which is how we could describe oftentimes the Holy Spirit speaking to us inside. We hear a still, small voice. How are we going to hear that if we never get quiet? For some of us, this will be quite a challenge. But I won't encourage you. Spend some quiet time. Take some time, perhaps first thing in the morning if that works for you. Spend some quiet time. Get in the Word. Be still. Be quiet. And be patient. And let the Lord speak in that situation. So if you learn to hear the Holy Spirit, you've got to learn to be quiet. And the, fine, the final thing I'll mention this morning, there could be others that we could talk about, but the final thing I want to point out this morning is we need to, to, to better hear the Holy Spirit, we need to be discerning. In other words, we need to be able to distinguish between other voices and the voice of God. This will come up over and over again before we finish the series. We, we need to learn to tell the difference between when the Spirit's speaking to me and when it's just my emotions or my feelings or my own agenda. This is probably one of the most challenging ones, and this only comes through maturity. This only comes through practice. The more you practice hearing from the Lord and measuring by the Word, the better you get at hearing clearly whether it's God or not. Separating between other voices and the voice of God. It's not that what's coming from the other voice is necessarily bad. It's not that your emotions are necessarily bad or wrong. But you must come to separate, you must come to be able to have the ability to separate between that idea of being moved by being, it's all right to have emotions, but we're not to be moved by their emotions. Decisions are not to be based upon those emotions, certainly not alone, based on those emotions alone, but they must be based on something far deeper. And, and, and far more dependable, and that is hearing the Spirit of God. But the more you practice this and the more you listen, the more you learn to measure it by the Word of God, what will happen is you'll grow and mature in that area, and you'll get to where, oh, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. I recognize that's the Holy Spirit. God wants to speak to us, and God has given us the Spirit and we can learn how to hear him, hear him well, hear him in a way that will absolutely transform our lives. Because we can hear him even during the days when there's so much going on. If we learn to focus in on him, we can learn how the fact that he will speak clearly and directly about some things that are going on in our life that very day. 
that he cares enough about us that he'll actually speak to you about that situation if you'll listen. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray with you before we go. I hope that this is... Uh, I hope this has helped us. It's, it's very fundamental, but it is, in the same time, very profound and something that you and I must learn to do, right? We, we, first of all, we make a commitment, Lord, <laughs> I choose to hear you. And then say, Lord, I commit myself to become a better listener and, and, and get acquainted with the Holy Spirit in my life more and more so I can hear him speak to me. Father, before we go from this place today, I want to agree with the brothers and sisters, this family of God, I want to agree with them today. For those of, uh, in this place that's saying, Holy Spirit, I really do want to experience your presence in a deeper way in my life. I need your power. I need that anointing. I want that in my life. I want, I want you, Lord. If that's you, it starts right now. It starts right now. I, I, we, don't have to, we don't have to necessarily come down to the front and pray. I, I mean, it's important. It's important for you to pray and say, Father, I love you. I, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. But I need more power. I need, I, I need your presence in it. In a more, in a deeper way, in a more powerful way in my life. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit, Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Make that your heart cry. I mean, even when you leave and go home today, get before Him, get along before Him and say, Lord, I'll settle for nothing less then I want the baptism and filling your Holy Spirit with everything that goes with it. Supernatural gifts in my life. Proclaiming your praise, Lord. I submit to you, Lord. I want to walk in that power. And then, Lord, I set myself in agreement with those here today who declare, Lord, I will become a listener. I will become one that will, will put these things to work in my life to get to where I can hear the Holy Spirit speak to me, even in the little things in life, that I can hear the Holy Spirit lead me. I can hear the Holy Spirit teach me. I can hear the Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, uh, speak things into my life that, that need to change. And I can hear the Holy Spirit say, go, where and when. I can hear the Holy Spirit say, this is who I want you to speak to. This is who I want to share with. I can hear the Holy Spirit say, this is what I want you to do. This is, this is what I want you to give. And Lord, we just will answer you and say, yes, Lord, we hear, we choose to follow. We choose to follow in Jesus' name.